1: Welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, China Gaudio-Grace, and along with my partner in crime, Jack Humphrey, uh, we are the co-founders of TheLeveragists.com and Divizio.com, the all-new affiliate network for companies doing good. We have got a fantastic show lined up for you guys today. We're going to be talking with Melissa Hall. Hmm. Gilmore? Did I pronounce that right? Gailmore? Gallamore. yes. Yeah. Gallamore. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Melissa. I really didn't That's mean to watch okay. that. No worries. Melissa has received numerous awards and accolades, the 2017 Rising Star Award presented by NBC University. She appeared on Influential People magazine in November 2017, and she is a 2017 Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award winner presented by former President Barack Obama. In addition to sharing her story and inspiring audiences through speaking, Melissa has put pen to paper and authored four books. The first and most personal, Lessons from Neverland, is a gripping memoir of her true-life story of loss, betrayal, and hopelessness, transforming into miracles, grace, and inspiration. Melissa has also written three other books as well, Well, Melissa, welcome to Leverage Masters.
2: Well, Thank you for having me. And Jack,
1: I think you finally made it.
0: Yes, I'm sorry, technical difficulties. Hi, Melissa, welcome to Leverage Masters. Hi, Gina. I'm great.
2: Thank you again. Thank you guys for having me today. I appreciate the invitation.
1: Well, I am really looking forward to this show. So, Jack, I will let you take it away from you.
0: All right, Melissa, we're going to start you out the way we do everyone on the show. We we got a little taste of your bio, and that really, believe me, people, was just a tiny taste. <laughs> um, so we're going to get into that more, but we want to find out also what is really burning in your belly these days. Like, what got you out of bed this morning ready to greet the day?
2: Oh, gosh, i um, I always look forward to just interacting with people and trying to make make a difference, a positive difference, by sharing my experiences and my 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 message with everybody that I meet. So I'm here in Chicago um, at the Ultimate Wolf Camp with Bill Walsh, and I have an opportunity to speak this afternoon. So I woke up this morning feeling Wait, really a minute. too ready
1: to. I'm in Chicago this week. <laughs>
2: Well, I am in, uh, I'm not sure of the name of the, I think it's called Hoffman Estate, kind of in that
1: area. Well, I'm in Arlington so Heights, about 10 minutes away. That's too funny. <laughs> How, How awesome wild is that? is that? And I don't live yeah. here. Normally, I'm in Florida, so that's really amazing. Sorry um, to interrupt. i
2: no no please well hey if you're that close come on down this afternoon and listen to me speak I'll be speaking um, this afternoon
1: I might just do that let me go see what I can do to rearrange my calendar there you go (laughs) wonderful Um, so that's what I woke up kind of
2: ready to face the day with it's just going out and making a difference
0: and what will you be speaking about today
2: Today, I'm going to be speaking about turning your, your life experiences into content that can be distributed in, through syndicated media. So, online development of television shows, radio shows, podcasts, that's kind of my area of expertise. I am the CEO and founder of Global Media Group and also one of the partners at E360 TV and Globex TV. So I produce and distribute content for independent content producers.
0: Awesome. So you had the same struggle uh, of convincing people that their life stories and experiences are what other people would really love to read about, watch, listen. Uh, We've been doing that for a long time with bloggers and people (laughs) – not believing that their story is what's going to hook people in to get attention and uh how do you how do you work with people in that way to get them to understand even though you're showing them by example I'm sure <laughs> that doesn't seem to always be enough you still have to get people you got to convince them that their story is valuable to others
2: well my whole career is really founded um, on my life experience. Um, if it's okay with you, I'd like to just take a minute and share Absolutely. with you a little bit about my, my story. So the way I, I, I got into writing and then public speaking was really a, a, a way for me to share the experience of losing my four-year-old son to an accidental drowning um, I was a young mother of two beautiful little boys. Drew was four and a half, and I had a three-year-old, Devin. And I was married to a very ambitious um, man, and he had the largest dental practice at the time in the state of Arizona. So he traveled a lot to the different locations um, of our practices working And I found myself kind of home alone a lot, and this particular day, I had been home for two days with my little boys, and my younger son, Devin, had asthma, and I had been giving him breathing treatments and just kind of exhausted from being up with him at night. And my older son, Drew, was that kid that always woke up, like, the minute there was a ray of sunshine, he was up and out of bed and just ready to go, and that particular morning he came in and he woke me up and he said, Hey mom, the sun's come up. It's time to, it's time to start the day. So I got up with him even though I was exhausted and I got him some breakfast and I gave him some crayons and I even turned on, you know, his favorite show, which at the time was Thomas the Tank Engine and, and went back to check on Devin and ended up falling asleep. And when I woke up, I knew almost instantly that something was very wrong. I just had that intuitive feeling that something wasn't right. So I began to look for Drew. Uh, I remember looking, you know, in closets and under the bed and in all of his little hiding places and not, not being able to find him. and The house was so quiet. I remember that too, that it just was too quiet. If Drew were in the house, it would have been louder because he was that kind of Mm -hmm. kid. So as I was running kind of back toward the other end of the house, I happened to notice that the sliding glass door was open maybe about an inch. And I thought, oh, my gosh, he's outside. Great, I'll, I'll find him. So I went outside and I began to look for him. And I noticed that our dogs were wet and we didn't have a swimming pool and i hadn't been outside and turned the hose on so i i was very confused by why my dog's were wet and then it dawned on me that um, there was an irrigation canal just on the other side of our property i live in a, we lived in a very rural area farm kind of surrounded by farmland and irrigation canals and i happened to look over in the direction of the irrigation canal, and I could see my son's footprints in 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 the dirt. So I ran towards the canal, and there was evidence that the embankment above the canal had broken away, and there was a splash on the side of the canal, where I could tell that my what I my son had fallen in. I just knew it, and it was about that time that it. Um, a truck drove by, and a gentleman asked if I needed help. And I said yes. My son had fallen in. I believed he'd fallen in the canal, and could, could he please call 911? And so he did. And by the end of that day, after you know many people had arrived and we were all looking for Drew, um, they they did find his body about seven hours later. And I, in fact, did lose my little boy that day. And I remember not really knowing how I was going to get through that. And I thought that I had maybe faced the worst of it. But unfortunately, my marriage wasn't, wasn't in a good place. And about a month after I buried my little boy, my husband left. And I remember feeling that very first time that he came to pick up Devin to spend the night with him. But I didn't know if I could survive that. I I felt responsible for what had happened to Drew. I felt ashamed of failing as a mom, falling asleep, what I perceived as failing. I was very hard on myself. I couldn't forgive myself. And I was very suicidal. I just I just it's not that I wanted to die. I just didn't know that I could live with that kind of pain. And without Devin in the house to kind of keep me keep me present, I didn't know if I could make it through that night. And I remember grabbing a picture of Drew and holding it to my chest and just kind of rocking back and forth and asking God to please help me, that I didn't know if I could do this. And I remember going and grabbing a piece of paper, and I was going to begin to write this letter to my son, Kevin, to just apologize to him because I, I just didn't, didn't think I could get through the, through that night. And I happened to notice that there was a card on the table, and I picked up the card, and inside was a letter from a woman. Her name was Teresa, and she shared with me her story of losing her daughter to a hit-and-run accident. Um, she was six years old, riding her bike, and this woman poured her heart out to me on those pages, and. And then she said the most remarkable thing to me. She said, but I'm living my best life today, and I'm happier than I've ever been. And if you choose to find joy in your life, it will be there for you. But you will have to choose this. You'll have to create a path for happiness and joy to return to your life. Otherwise, you'll be swallowed up by sorrow and despair. And I knew exactly what she was talking about because I was in the midst of it. I was in the midst of that sorrow and despair. And I didn't know how or if I could do, if I could ever get back to being happy, let alone being joyful. But I I decided that night to commit to trying. And that letter really did change everything for me. So over time and with a lot of you know, therapy and, and a lot of self-care and self-love, I learned to forgive myself. I found it as a, a vehicle for sharing my story, which was writing my book lessons from Neverland, which led to public speaking and then to the creation of a television show called The Ripple Effect with Melissa Hall. And I traveled the world literally traveled the world. I've been to the Middle East. I've been to Southeast Asia. I've been to Europe and, and all, all over the United States sharing my story. And my story is making a difference. I am helping people. I'm showing bereaved parents that you can come back from the devastation of losing your child and still have a wonderful life there are choices that you have to make in order to guarantee that that's the outcome that you will have. It's not to say that I don't miss my son or mourn my son. I do, but I am not broken by the experience. I, I found a way to see the blessing, Mom, and even in the experience of losing him because now I, I, I talk to little kids in preschools about water safety and I educate people about water safety education, I talk to parents who have lost children and I, and I help give them hope and I have become an example of what it looks like to live a life after you know, some healing has, has taken place and it's, it's making me better, it's making me more healed and feel more complete as a person and it's, it's absolutely my passion to continue to share my story. With the world and so that's what I do wow
0: what a what an incredible story it is I mean when when was it the when was the first what was the first time like when you realized that you kind of were in a pay it forward situation? the woman who wrote you the card got you to stop and think about something you know and and then you turned around and I mean, it wasn't like an instant thing. I'm sure there was a lot of other things going on. But what was it like when, the, when you realized that you were the woman in the card in your own way, that you were helping other people? And what did that feel like when you first realized how important it was to be the example that you are to people who are grieving?
2: Personally, after reading the letter, I, I knew that I wanted to hold on to that hope. And the first time that I remember kind of paying it forward was, I, I want to say it was about three years later when, unfortunately, there was a, a little girl that um, drowned in our community in a boating accident. And I knew her parents, and I remember reaching out to, to them and just being there for them. And I remember I remember them asking me, how did you get through it? How do you do it? How do you... What do you say when people ask you how you're doing? How, I mean, there were just all these questions that they, that they had that I understood because I had been in that experience. I was, you know, I had been through it and was con- still continuing to journey through what I call this, this you know, the, when you lose a child, your life is different and you have to establish a new way of normal. It's not the old normal because you're not the same. There is a void. There is this, this missing person at the table at, at Thanksgiving, and you're aware that they're not there on Christmas morning. But it doesn't mean that you have to be broken by it or sad in every moment that occurs like that. So I, I knew that they had all these questions, and so I just started sharing And I started telling them what I did and how I, memory a part of all of our family traditions and how I wrote him a letter every single day for the first year after he passed. And I remember the mother's name was Brandy. And I remember Brandy turning to me and saying, that's a great idea. I'm going to start a journal. And I said, you know, one of the things that I do on his birthday is I eat ice cream for breakfast because that was Drew, that's always what he wanted to do. And I just started mm. talking to her like a, just a normal person and just saying, you know, do those silly things and, and that your child did and, and create a new tradition. Um, so we have ice cream on Drew's birthday for breakfast, Rocky Road ice cream, because that was his favorite, and it's a family tradition. And now we look forward to that. It's it's, it's something that we can celebrate and not
1: feel I want to injured pause by. pause you for just one minute, Melissa, if I could. We're sure. having a little bit sure. of a technical glitch, and I want to start another backup recording. But I think it's going to play some guitar music, and I don't want it, uh, anyone to not be able to hear you. Hold on, just one sure. second while I go get. Right back. Okay, we can continue. I'm so sorry I had to do that.
2: No, that's not a problem. So, as, as I was saying, I, I just started sharing how I kept Drew's memory a part of our our life, and and how he became his, his, the things that we celebrated about him became our new family traditions. And I realized that as I was sharing that, that I was giving giving this mother a way of coping and, and, and giving her some, some much-needed inspiration to, to bring her child with their family forward by creating new traditions, by keeping her memory alive. And that's what led to me going back and looking at the letters that I had written to my son and turning them into a book because I, I really poured my heart onto those pages um, in that journal that I kept, and I wanted to share, that, share those experiences and, and share my life with people so that they could see how we don't have to be broken by the tragedies and even the traumas that we face in life, but that we can be better. We can be built up by them, but we have to make those choices, and our stories matter, Because the one thing that I've learned as an international speaker is that no matter where I go in the world, that people are hardwired to want to listen to a story. It's this universal cord that connects people and it transcends barriers and it also primes people to want to listen to our messages. So storytelling is something that we should do and that's why we should value our stories because it's the thread that connects us to every other person in the world. We all have life experiences. They may not be identical but they can be similar enough that we at least can understand where a person is coming from or relate to them in some way and that's the power of our stories. Our stories are these bridges that unify us all, with every culture, every creed, every you know race, there is something that is universally connected to our stories that people understand.
0: Yeah, I fully agree, and uh, and I'm fascinated by when when people go through experiences like yours about that stripping away process because I. I follow those stories very closely whenever I, I hear one. I think I hear the same things from people a lot. I and mean, it's like the the process of going through the grieving or going through whatever, you know, experiences they've been through just stripped away everything that so-called didn't matter. And I know that that's a subjective thing of what people decide matters or not, but what was that like for you? Did it produce any sort of clarity in that, you know, now I know what I really care about. This has stripped me down to the bare raw essence. <laughs> and then you came out, you know, with a successful career and, and some, probably didn't expect all from to come from it. But what what kinds of things did you learn about what mattered and what didn't in terms of you can go from the business angle or personal or both. But it's okay. really interesting to hear that part of the story.
2: I think for me, you know, I'll touch on both. But for me personally, I learned that you have to you have to be forgiving of yourself. Nobody is perfect, and mothers are so hard on themselves. And after being up for almost two solid days, I made the horrible mistake of falling asleep. But I'm a human being, and my body was sleep deprived, and I didn't, you know, I I never would have chosen to fall asleep, and that leads to my son drowning that morning, but that's what happened. And I could beat myself up forever and blame myself and allow and allow the, and allow that to just cause me to, to shrink down and, and play small. or I could hmm. be honest and vulnerable and say, "You know what, it's one thing that I wish I could change. I wish I could go back and take, take that period of time." and and not fall asleep and have my son with me today, but that's just not what happened. And I'm not going to hate myself forever for being a human and for for falling asleep because I know that I was exhausted, and I know that in my heart I never would have harmed my child. And I had to get real with myself. I mean, the negative self-talk, we can talk ourselves into beating ourselves up for a whole lot of reasons, but... When it is tied to an experience like losing a child, it's very hard to stop that that negative mantra. You're like, oh, look what you did. How could you let this happen? What were you thinking? All of that. I had to learn to quiet it and say, I love my son. I love him. I loved him that morning. I love him now. I never would have chosen this. Do I, do I wish that I could change it? Yes, but since I can't, what am I going to do with it? I have to grow from it. So I became a much, a much more empathetic person. I, I could see the humanity of the flaws in people or, or those challenges that they, they face. So I, I'm, I, I learned not to judge people but to embrace them for who they are and where they are and then encourage them to be their better versions to find that way of lifting yourself up rather than tearing yourself down. And I knew that I had experience in that and knew how hard it was to do. So I would be very vulnerable and real with people and just say, listen, I get it. I get the, the, the temptation of wanting to just numb yourself and not feel anything, but here's the problem with that. When you're numb, you're not, you're not experiencing life. You're really not jo- living in joy. You're really not living in in sadness. You're sort of in this limbo state where you just, you just kind of coast through life, and you look back, and you don't even realize what you've done in a day because you're not engaged. You're not present. And, and I would say, tell the truth to people and it would somehow make a difference and I could see that they were coming back. They were slowly turning that, turning their, you know, the rudder of their own ship back towards the shore and out of the storm. And it led to a business because writing a book for me was probably the most vulnerable experience of my life because I really didn't, I didn't sugarcoat anything. I I told the raw truth and it at first I was just, I was maybe a little afraid to do that but once I did I felt this overwhelming sense of freedom. I was free from it. I had told the truth. It was my truth, my story and no one could take that from me. And because I'm the one telling it, nobody could change it. You know, they couldn't augment it and make it almost my story. This was my story and I was proud of the fact that I told my story truthfully, vulnerably, and, and powerfully because I knew that that's what people needed. People needed to see how bad things had been for me in order to see why I was worth listening to because now, today, and after many years, I do have a very fulfilled life. I am happier than I, 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 I am. I can honestly say I'm happier today than I have ever been. I have two beautiful children. I, ended, I had a little girl after Drew passed away. Her name is Hope, and she's just the most wonderful little, you know, well, she's not little anymore. She's going to be 14 here soon. And <laughs> Devin, my 3-year-old at the time, is now, you know, well into his 20s. So he'll be 22 um, here real soon. And I can, I can honestly say that I live in joy every day. I laugh every day. I make a difference every day, but I also choose that. It's very easy to get kind of sucked up into, oh, this happened or that happened and woe is me, and that just wasn't for me. I've seen parents who have lost children that become alcoholics, that, you know, just numb themselves and just can't, can't emotionally come back from it. But I also see the choices that they're making and how they could choose differently. And so I choose to be the example of how to live life in a fully empowered way, even though I lost my son, and then 30 days after burying my son, I lost my marriage. Those are, those are circumstances that are unthinkable. They were unbearable at the time, but I survived them. And now I thrive. As a result of them, because I found this internal strength, this, this unbreakable part of my spirit, and I learned to love that about myself. I have an unbreakable spirit. I can face challenges and really unthinkable, heartbreaking situations, and I can be okay. And I know that I'm okay. I'm better than okay. I'm I'm thriving. I'm living my best life today, and that's really important. That's an important message to have because there are so many people who have gone through bad experiences who are struggling today that need me to be the example of what it is they want for themselves so that they know it's possible. So every day I step outside and I know exactly who I am and what I'm doing and why because I want to make that kind of a difference in the world.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, as a father, I'm thinking in the back of my mind as you're telling your story that I'm kind of trying to figure out what I feel about this, like what I feel about uh, that sort of a loss. And I think you've just exposed in me a kind of a, a negativity that I've had about Uh, that because I'm thinking, I'm listening back to myself talking the little conversations I've had that most parents do have the conversation in their head going, you know, you always want your children to be safe and well and protected and everything like that. And then you, you know, your mind wanders and you think about instances that could happen that what would happen. And I think I've been a little bit on the negative side. I think I've, I've thought that there weren't maybe very many people like you out there that the norm would be to go numb, to go limp, to, you know, when I think about it in my own situation. So though I have, I'm lucky enough to not be in that situation, you've helped me anyway because I I, I just figured out how much of a negative outlook I had on how I would react, at least how I think I would. Nobody knows, right, until, so, but, uh, knowing that there are people out there like you helps even people who are not going through that grieving process. I can attest to that and, and what an inspiration uh you must be to audiences regardless of of where they where they are. And um I think that's really incredible and in that and so you should be definitely applauded for that as I am sure you are all all over the world. And thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for living your best life and being as happy as you've ever been. So That's really, really awesome.
2: Well, thank you for that. And it's it's why I'm here. I I know it sounds strange to say this, but the death of my son exposed my purpose in life. And I I never would be this woman that I am today if it weren't for the experience of being Drew's mom. And he is... You know, Drew isn't physical anymore, but he's not gone. You know I believe that i I believe that he is you know much closer <laughs> to me than I can even imagine, and he inspires me to be my best every day. All of my children do, but Drew's story is what gave me the courage to tell mine,
1: yeah.
0: Well, I wonder, it took me, I've been consulting and Gina has too for very, very many years, and uh, we work with business owners of all kinds and they all have mm-hmm. different goals, different business uh, uh, strategies and and models and things like that. And at the beginning I was really, you know, when, you were pre- when you're presenting something to them, hey, this really looks good from my experience. If you do this and you follow these steps and this plan that we've outlined, You're going to do really well. This is great. We make a breakthrough, and then sometimes something doesn't happen, and you're wondering, and it took me forever to figure out that it's not just about a plan in business and and having a slam dunk laying in your lap or something that's very probable to be very, very good for growing a successful business. And then when something wouldn't happen, I always was left wondering, and I never really thought until many years later about what's, What's their life like? like what are they doing what's What's on their mind? Has something bad happened, or you know did something bad happen before that they still aren't over and and uh I think that's a really important topic now, and i I try to be very mindful of that when somebody's struggling when they shouldn't be like on paper they shouldn't be. I start to look at other things, maybe there's some grieving going on, maybe there's something else that's happening because. Otherwise, they should be doing really, really well. And I would imagine from your perspective, your ability to, to hone in on that with people that you work with really quickly and be very sensitive to that kind of thing probably makes you that much better of a coach <laughs> than people who aren't – than I was in the beginning when I wasn't taking anything except for the raw data into account.
2: Well, I, I think that I have landed in the right profession for me because I really I pride myself on being able to tell people's stories, and that's really what I love to do. I craft content, documentaries, acumen dramas, and television shows around people's core message because I like for people to feel inspired by what they're doing. For me, if it's just a job to them, I don't want to work with them. I want want to work with people that are, they've got a passion, they've got a fire in their belly, if you will, to make a difference. I love people who want to kind of change the world because I think the world could be a little changing, to be honest. I think we need more unifiers, more people who look for ways to bring us together rather than to divide us. And I love to share those people's stories. Now, I work with business professionals as well, and they have courses or in personal development or business development that that knowledge is valuable for the person who's trying to, you know, that's out there creating a business. They're kind of in that hustle mode, and it, that little bit of wisdom that somebody else has that could guide them in a better way of doing, you know, of, of approaching their, their, uh, their business, whether it be through systems, Um, Or process, whatever that is, if you could help them find a better way, then I want to work with people like that because they want to make a positive difference for people. So I really believe that, you know, for me, being, a like I said, I call myself a professional storyteller, um, I get the best of both worlds because I get to work with people that have a, a, a desire to make a difference but are also doing that with a business model. And so finding ways to be profitable while being passionate about what you do gives you a great way of living. And what better way to wake up every day and feel like, hey, I can't wait to get in there and make a difference. And and, and then have the income and the financial freedom to really be able to have that flexibility to say, you know what, now it's family time, and I'm going to step away from work, and I'm going to come back, and, and I'm going to really – Embrace you know my, my loved ones and I'm going to travel with them and invest my time there as well and, and not be so overwhelmed by financial um, issues that I know are out there for many families. You know I love entrepreneurs. I love working with entrepreneurs and seeing them kind of find that that financial freedom for themselves and have the family life that they really want to have as well. It's it's the best the best. Pu- Best case scenario for me.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's dig a little deeper. We obviously know storytelling is very important uh, it's sure. now. If, nobody, if people don't get that, man, you've got to rewind, and I don't know if there's any such thing as rewinding anymore, but rewind and listen to this again because you missed the big points. So storytelling is important, and I think in business and also in causes and making the world a better place kind of things for nonprofits, um, I work with a nonprofit called Rewilding Institute, and they have a really important message to get out there i 'm um, more on the technical and marketing end, but I pay close attention to their storytelling and It just occurred to me today that uh, we we did a, put another article up about um, another extinction that 's going on with a rare caribou breed in uh, southern um, Quebec and uh, northern United States. It's just in a very small area, and biologists have been calling for many, many years, decades, actually, for better protection of their habitat and everything else, and it just didn't happen. There's three or four left out of a herd of 40 that was reported in 1991, so they've done a great job of keeping them going this long, I suppose, or they kept themselves, but we were basically reporting on the basic extinction of another species in North America, which is a hard pill to swallow for anybody in, you know, and whether you're in business and you're trying to get people to do something in their own best interests um, and and for the betterment of the world or you're in a nonprofit where your sole, you know, business should probably be 99% storytelling. When you're trying to break through to an audience that seems distracted, not that they're having any malicious intent or anything, but they're just in this, modern world, there's so many excuses we can make for how distracted we can become. And you've got a really important story to tell. It might not be in the telling of it. Maybe the story is really, you know, captivating, but how do you handle when people in business or nonprofits or anything else talk to you about how do I break through to my audience? I understand stories is important. We want to tell. We have lots of stories to tell. Um, and in our rewilding example, we don't want to just be the people who you know, constantly say, here's another endangered species or here's another species that's gone extinct. We want to tell stories. And I kind of wrote that when I shared the latest article that went up from one of our contributors today. We are not here to chronicle the demise of biodiversity on the planet. What we really want to do is tell you this big story, but we, we have to, you know, we're kind of overwhelmed. So I started that, and then you come on, and I thought, wow, what better person in the world to ask? Because this is also a business question audiences that need to hear a story that you're trying to get them to tune in but you but you feel like it's falling a lot on deaf ears
2: well in today's in today's world you know we're bombarded with media and people are they're just kind of mindlessly you know clicking through content and what i find is that the content that people are engaging are really they're curious they peak curiosity so they're asking questions it's a it's and And then they're giving them a deeper dive into what they're trying to say is the answer. so, for your particular uh, nonprofit, it's really going to the essence of why you do what you do what is what is it that is important for us as a society to understand about the demise of the, of the of, of the Caribbean like if they are extinct, what does that mean where? How how does that impact the ecosystem? You need to do a little bit of journal. It's like the infusion of journalism, um, storytelling, um, and giving people the tangible outlet, the result of what it looks like when you lose a species. Show them. You have to really give them a reason to invest in your content. And people do typically want to make a difference. So if you can explain how losing the caribou contributes to this or impacts this, just give them the complete picture. That is what I find people are really most captivated by. They want you to explain to them why they need to care.
1: Yeah. So
2: I always approach things with what am I trying to explain and to whom and what's important for them to understand and know. And that's that's the, the way I approach to creating content or developing programming is what is the essence of the story and how do I tell it in a way that draws people in, doesn't make it so journalistic that it's dry and unappealing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and add some, some inspiration in there and give people a call to action. People want to, make, people want to help typically, I find that they do. And when you give them something to do to help, especially for causes, nine, you know, maybe it's not nine times out of ten, but most of the time people will choose to help. Whether it be through micro donations or showing up for, you know, for, you know, projects like civic um, or community service projects, people want to make a difference. They enjoy being a part of a cause or a movement for something that they believe in. So if you can educate them and entertain them with your content, that's really the, the best blend of pulling a viewing, a viewing audience in.
0: It actually occurred to me when you said that they want to do something, and and and, and by, you know, association probably want to be involved in something. They want to ask they want you to ask them to take part in something, belong to something. Absolutely. In my business, early on, the reason I had really early success, surprising success, because it's not how I set out to do it, it just appeared and happened, was when I created, inadvertently uh, we're all in this together, uh, membership site on, um, uh, it was, wasn't was called Blog Success in the beginning, but it ended up being blogsuccess.com, for all these storytellers to kind of feel like they were all in in, in it together. Now, the training and everything was just, just training, like here's how you, you know, craft your story, here's how you do it with blogs, here's how you get search engine traffic. It was all very dry, but very much things that they thought that they wanted. And when they all got in there and when I saw them all coming in, when members were joining, there became this attitude that just kind of organically started. We're all in this together. We can all help each other. And I learned right then, and that was really the true success of that business, like it, it it was it didn't have anything in my business plan or anything to do that, but I learned that very, very clearly there that people do want to be involved and if we just go out and share stories and there's no real call to action or no real ability to get involved with what you the story that you just told, then you're just kinda of like the New York Times. You're just reporting and you're and you know, and that's passive reading of the news, and we all know where the news has gone you know they're they're been struggling for the last decade plus um and maybe that's maybe that's really what this is all about is just getting them like you said get them involved you know, and also I think giving a message of hope in in that business that I just talked about or the nonprofit, you can be very you can be a debbie downer big time like if you just report on all the things that are happening, species that are going extinct and everything, and people do, I've seen it happen, they just go numb. And they're just like, well, there doesn't appear to be anything that I can do. So I'm just going to stop paying attention to this stuff. And when you've got another article, I'm not even going to click on it because I know it's coming. I know it's going to be, ugh. So we had to have a long sit down about 10 years ago about that kind of thing and, and say, look, every time we need to give them hope and hope was the thing, but you're talking more like a call to action too, and we've done better on that kind of stuff. But it almost sounds like you would recommend, and maybe you will, uh, that we have something at the bottom of every post when at all possible to give them something to do, something to get involved with, with and not just occasionally when we remember to do so. Or <laughs> is, that, is that kind of the message? Exactly.
2: It, exactly. When, you, when you're talking about problems you know, or what you perceive as a problem, People who are like-minded want to join in. So it's community. They want to feel like they're part of something. And if you can give them a call to action, whether it be to, you know, join this blog or, you know, support us by showing up on this day at this location, you know, and let's clean, you know, whether it be like cleaning up a, a, you know, the side of a road or whatever it is, a park, it doesn't really matter. People want to join, want to be a part of a community, and and giving calls to actions to your community causes results, and they want to see a result. If, if what you're talking about is a per, perceived problem and they can feel like they're part of the solution, people will show up. They want to, and because... Again, people want to make a difference. They want to feel like they're a Mm -hmm. part of something and be a part of the change that they want to see in the world. And that's why I think it's so important to kind of take education and entertainment and blend it together. So edutainment, if you will. A little bit of journalism, a little bit of reporting, a little bit of education, and a little bit of entertainment with a call to action is a very powerful way to communicate your message, because it really gets to the essence of what you're trying to say or what you perceive, what you're trying to communicate, but then give people something that they can do to help contribute to the solution. And that's so important. Give people a way to help. And it can just be, join my membership, you know, site, you know. Be a part of my private Facebook community. Let's brainstorm. Let's collaborate. But they want to join in. And in this world where people are so disconnected, it makes sense to me that people want to join in. They want to feel connected to something.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, just, uh, I think what you've done is you've given us a little bit of a formula, much like the hero's journey uh, has been so, and will continue to always be, very, very helpful when people are especially writers and people creating any kind of story. But uh, this is another formula that you're really talking about because people who tell stories for a living need formulas because we have to do something to make every day make sense in a way (laughs) so that it doesn't – (laughs) well, I heard everything that you said, but do I have to be Henry James Crow every single day and come up with some brilliant thing all the time when I'm in a – You know, I'm in a business or a nonprofit or whatever that's got some fairly mundane daily stuff going on, and I don't think that's what you're saying, and I think your formula for those ingredients that you just listed off could really help people who, you know, if you set up an editorial policy that this is what I'm going to do. I was really inspired by today's talk. I really want to do something like this, and so now I need to sit down and figure out, well, what does that look like? In the real world, like what am I going to do today and tomorrow and next week, and how do I keep all of this simple? Is is, is there anything else that you can add to that as a formula? Like how do you know, people? How do you turn people loose once you've given them this inspiration?
2: <laughs> I I do a lot of coaching, and and I have um I do have some coaching programs to help give the framework and the structure of what I've just kind of you know giving you the. The very quick overview of there are ways to make sure that you're following a pattern or a format to ensure that you're, you're taking the journalistic um, information and you're infusing it with some inspiration and then communicating that in a way where people feel like it matters to them and then you're giving them the call to action there definitely are ways to develop content around it, whether it be print or, or video. And, and I happen to specialize in video content development. So definitely, um, this, I call it the 3M system. So it's message, marketing, and monetization of your overall concept. Because, again, when we, when we talked about this, I took my passion and I turned it into a business because ultimately what I'm trying to establish is a legacy. So I need, to, in order to do that, I need to be profitable. I would love to have a, a foundation someday that's just purely there to educate, you know, families and schools all over the world about the un, the unthought-of dangers of water, you know, how to be safe around water, um, is. So that's what I'm striving to do, and I believe that most people are. Most people would like to have a legacy that they leave behind, and and so that's why I developed the system that I have. And and we have an event coming up in October, October 12th through the 14th in Newport Beach, California. That will be you know outlining this very system that I just spoke of in great detail. So I'd love to. Encourage people if they'd like to know more about that, to um, go to globalmediacon.com and you can certainly learn more about the event and enroll if you'd like to attend. But I definitely have taken this formula and applied it to my business and coach other people on how to do it for theirs.
0: Globalmediacon.com?
2: Yes, and I'm happy to share links with you so that you can
1: put
0: yes. that up. wherever you guys um, are listening to this, yeah. the links we're talking about will always be below or on the side or above. Right. <laughs> and and uh, what about your... Either... I'm sorry? Yeah, go for it. No, no that's what I wanted, what you're getting ready to say. In,
2: yeah, if people are interested in, in in connecting with me, you can reach me at, on my website, uh, com. So that's M-E-L-I-S-S-A-H-U-L-L. Dot com.
0: Awesome. Well, that's a little bit early. We still have a little bit more time. What would you do sure. if you were running the show? What would, the, what would be the question you'd want answered right now after you've given us all of this inspiration, your incredible story, and our listeners are business people, bloggers, nonprofits. Where do they go from here? I mean, they, they know link-wise where to go from here, and I'm sure there's some clicking going on right now, but... What, what, uh, what do you want to leave people with?
2: I want to encourage people to believe in their dreams. Um, I, I never could have imagined that I would be where I'm at today if I didn't, if I didn't believe that something bigger were, were possible for me. And I didn't even have my dreams very well kind of envisioned when I embarked on this journey. But I believed in something bigger than myself and that something greater was meant for my life. And I wanted to create a business that made a difference in some way. And I just kept believing. And I didn't always have it, you know, neatly outlaid in front of me, but I kept saying yes, and I, and I kept choosing opportunities, and I kept stretching and growing and getting out of my comfort zone because I believed in the dream, this idea that something bigger and greater was meant for my life. And it, and it, and it has been, and I know that there is more more of that to come. So I would say believe in, believe in your dream and trust in the process. The process will will reveal itself and you will figure it out. Even if you don't have all the answers, there are a lot of great mentors and coaches that can help assist you. And don't be afraid to try. Make mistakes. Fail your way forward. It's the best possible way of figuring things out. When you try something and you don't get it right, don't give up. Keep trying because you learn through the process of, of your failures. You learn ultimately to arrive at the results that give you the success
0: that you're, you're uh, striving for. Awesome. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for putting up with our technical difficulties today and telling your story and being such an inspiration. This is going to help, as as always, as you're used to, this is going to help a lot of people and a lot of new people that you haven't met yet. So that's really, really awesome. Thanks for taking the time for being on Leverage Masters.
2: I appreciate you guys so much for having me today, and I look forward to following up with you soon. Awesome. So you wish know I wish I could that. rearrange
1: my schedule there today. There's, yeah, there's absolutely yeah, like said, no way I can do it.
0: Uh, oh, you guys are
1: so close.
0: You're so close. Uh, yeah. I know. I'm like
1: 10 minutes away.
2: Oh darn! Well, you know, I definitely will be back in the Chicago area in the future, so I'll make sure to to connect with you guys and let you know when I am.
1: I'm usually down in Florida, so if you get to any place in Florida, <laughs> give me a holler. Actually, I'm going to Florida ask next
2: it. month. I will be in Florida. I will. I, I'm supposed to be in the, in be the in Orlando. Orlando area. Oh, shoot! We're just, very like close as well. Passing in the night.
1: We are definitely going to connect Melissa because I didn't get a chance to jump in today but my own life, although I've never had children, I have had so much adversity and like you have really been through it in a way that has begun to thrive instead of being so stuck in the adversity, we have an awful lot in common, don't you think, Jack?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, you can do your own interview, and you guys would have another just fantastic hour at least
1: no, wow. <laughs> of material.
0: Because you guys, yeah, right. you you guys really do need to meet whenever it is or wherever it is. I think you uh, have a lot to share with each other.
2: Yeah, I I look forward absolutely absolutely.
1: Well, I, I will have Andrea get us in touch with one another so that we that can sounds, at least have a conversation right. in the next couple of weeks to make sure we connect when you're in Florida in September.
2: Oh, that sounds great. Right.
1: And thank you again for being here, Melissa. It was fantastic meeting
2: you. Yeah, I. it was my pleasure. Great, thank you for having me. You too. All right. Thanks and again. have a
1: great week, everybody. We'll be back same time, same place next week.